Hello and welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. Join us as we sit with other Canadians at the roundtable to discuss and sometimes argue about financial independence in Canada. Welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. This is geared for all the Canadians there and especially the ones in the center of the universe because we have Archie all the way from downtown Toronto. Say hi. Hi. Okay, and I'm your host, Ryan, coming from Kitchener, as always, and we have Chrissy joining us all the way from Vancouver area. Hi, Chrissy. Hello from rainy Vancouver. It's rainy here too, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) The Money Mechanic is not joining us, unfortunately. He is off uh, doing his real job, making real money, so the roundtable only sits three today. So, Archie, tell us a bit about yourself and about downtown Toronto and the whole uh, the whole fire thing you're going after. All right. So I guess my name is Archie. I have been living in Toronto for about, uh, oh wait, it's about uh, almost 10 years at this point, actually. So I've been pretty much in uh, different parts of Toronto most of this time. And right now I'm pretty much like literally as central as Toronto gets. So, uh, and I absolutely love it. I love living here and I love not owning a car and walking to wherever I want to and biking to places. I'm that stereotypical millennial that everyone like rolls their eyes about. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Can you give us an intersection, like a nearby intersection? Because you're in a condo, right? Yeah. So I'm actually like literally, so you know where Young and Dundas is, right? So I'm cool. literally around there. So <laughs> it's about as central as it gets. Yeah, no, awesome. You're right at Jurassic Park. Indeed. Jurassic Park. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Very cool. Oh. So Archie, what would you say are the advantages of living where you do? I mean, it sounds like you don't have a car, which is a huge advantage. Is there anything else? Because Toronto is expensive. What do you find there that is actually beneficial to your FI journey? Absolutely. So I actually take offense to people that say that it's actually super expensive to live downtown because it's kind of not depending on what it is that you want. If you want to have like a suburban lifestyle downtown, absolutely, it's going to be horrendously expensive. So if you're looking for like, you know, number of people plus one number of bedroom plus bathroom, odds are not in your favor if you want to live downtown. If you want to own a like, you know, a number of cars that is equal to the number of humans in your household, probably not the best option either. But if you were the kind of person that wanted to just get to work within 10 minute walk and get to like every, you know, like, basically, I would say about like, 10 minutes walk would literally get me a 1000 restaurants. So if you want all the options in the world, and you just don't want to be bothered to like, take a car and like, go 20 minutes to get a loaf of bread or whatever it is that people do like (laughs) I think this is actually a much better choice I find that uh living downtown if you are living in a reasonable sized apartment and you're not moving every year it's actually perfectly reasonable to have a rent that is acceptable I also find that because they're like you're pretty much right downtown I pretty much never pay for entertainment because everything that is entertaining is kind of around here and it's free also the number of free things I get out of Young and Dundas you guys you have no idea I have not paid for toilet paper or paper towels in five years. <laughs> I'm not oh, even kidding. Oh, the guys on the street are handing it out, oh, like all the samples. Yes, right? there's so much samples and there's so much, like there, are, I can list the number of things that I do not pay for because there's all this like free samples that people hand out all the time from here. But list there's so many things that I never do. List, list them right now. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. So I've never paid for a Brita filter ever in my life. 
I've never paid for a razor in my life. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Okay. I've never paid for a paper towels or toilet paper. I've never paid for toothpaste. Uh, what else do we have? This is just crazy. Are people standing on the street corner with boxes of these things? Like, sometimes it's those things or sometimes it's just coupons. They'll just hand you coupons. So you, you just have like street oh. festivals all around the place and then some like Crest is introducing like this new flavor of the month or whatever. And then they just hand you all these free coupons to try. And then you basically just, instead of getting one coupon, you ask for two or three. And then between you and your partner, you have like six toothpaste for them for half of your year. These are full-sized items. It's not just yeah. any. That's crazy. There's nothing like that in Vancouver. That Not that I've ever come across. You know, <laughs> it, it's, um, it's because pretty much like the epicenter of Toronto where every like almost everybody goes there even if they're going to go to Fort York or somewhere else in Toronto I know in in Mississauga I've been handed like Gatorades and stuff like that before they're like we're piloting a new beverage kind of thing like do you want to try Gatorade G2 zero cal 100% caffeine <laughs> that kind of crap right like they just they have all this new stuff so they like to just pilot it essentially and Toronto is a great place for it because you know there's so many snobby people down there and they'll really give their uh, <laughs> Hey, truth, hey, hey. Right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't get, you don't want to take everything they offer, but you know, some of it is actually helpful. So Archie, that is, it sounds like quite a hack for you. It sounds like you're able to save on household supplies and some toiletries. What else have you been able to save on just by living downtown? So there's the transportation uh, and, and yeah. So things. not having a car in general is very helpful and i also find that you don't really actually need it either mostly because you pretty much just either walk somewhere or you bike somewhere so transportation is obviously a big deal but i think more in terms of like not just money in terms of time you save a whole lot as well because you're just not spending like a good amount of your life commuting which is wonderful for me what else do we save as a result of being downtown hmm the other thing that's like kind of weird in but like helps in a weird way is that because I have a one bedroom place with my partner, there's not so much space to buy a lot of useless shit, <laughs> which like in a weird way <laughs> forces you to save money and only really keep the things that you actually care about. And we also I find that like we have we use amenities that are outside, right? So we don't really like we don't like actually have a lawn or a barbecue, but our building comes with both of those things. So it kind of like if you are someone who likes to just be outside a lot, and even when you're at home, you just don't need like ridiculous amounts of space because you are into, I don't know, carpentry or something, you will be fine downtown. That sounds great. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I um no, I just want kind of that kind of resonates with me a lot because I live in the suburbs of Kitchener. I drive 20 kilometers, pardon me, 25 kilometers to Guelph there, and then 25 kilometers back to Kitchener. And I do that four to five times a week. I own a lawnmower. I own <laughs> a weed whacker. I own tree trimmers. I own a shovel. I own a tamper. I own all this stuff that is like incredibly seasonal. And I don't even like doing it. I make my wife do a lot of that stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's just these are all expenses that you don't have to pay for. And you just slash it right out of your fire number, which I, I really like and I envy. 
Absolutely. I actually didn't realize how much of a difference it was until I actually put it down on uh, as with all fire people, I suppose, on a spreadsheet because um, we had considered originally not even in terms of like, I guess, like where you live, but also like renting versus owning like is a big aspect of it as well. We did different, different spreadsheets for like living in the suburbs, renting in the suburbs, living in downtown and like renting downtown. And uh, you would be horrified to realize how much of your money you're spending literally to just maintain things. And also like part of the other aspect of it that I just never got, I think like some people really enjoy, I guess, like home renovation and like, you know, maintaining a home and like decorating it and doing things. But to me, all of that sounded like chores that you're just pretending to pass off as hobbies. And I was just never into it. <laughs> so I definitely am that lazy person. Just, I don't know, take care of it. I'm just going to go have fun now. <laughs> So it sounds like you've been pretty mindful with your spending. Is this something you started when you discovered fire or was it before? Or was it because of the way you were raised? Like, What was it that started all this for you? I think early on, I'm, I'm fairly lucky in a way in that I, I found out about fire pretty much like after I started thinking about like, I, I graduated with an engineering degree. So when you start as an engineer, like, unlike most other like uh, degrees, I suppose you get a pretty good job and it's a decent uh, starting salary. So one of the things that I realized about myself was that um, like at a certain point, like there, you're going to run out of things to buy. So you might as well figure out what it is that you want to do with your money. And like, what is, I guess, like most bang for buck in terms of happiness you can get out of your dollars that you're spending. So I was in the process of trying to figure out what is it like that in my budget that like I I really care about and what do I want to spend more money on in those things because in my head I was like okay you're working for 40 years you're going to make all this money what are you going to do with all this money so let's try and find more sensible ways to spend this money and so I was in the process of trying to figure out how does my values align with the money that I'm spending and fire just happened to come along and say, oh yeah, you don't actually have to work for 40 years. You could probably do that sooner than that. So in a weird way, I I think I was differently, I guess, intentional about money before fire came along and fire just made sense. Unlike the traditional route of, I hate my job, I need to quit immediately. Like it was more like, oh, I, I guess I'm already making some intentional choices with my money and it's bringing me some level of joy. And I guess I could also reduce some of the time that I'm going to be spending working and doing things that I, I guess like, don't want to be doing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That that definitely makes sense. So what is your plan? Are you planning to reach FI and then continue working because you like your job? Or do you have a, have different ideas for what happens when you reach your number? I feel like that evolved over time. When I originally found out about FI, my immediate thing was, oh my God, I can't wait to like quit my job and then just travel for the rest of my life. Uh, that's what I, want, what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to see all of the world. Uh, but then I also came to realize that like um, over time that I might never be the kind of person that just doesn't want to do any sort of like, I generally enjoy mental stimulation as with most people do. And I, I realized that I may not be solving like problems for money, but I would still want to continue solving problems, especially if the problems, I guess, like specially, specifically are problems that like doesn't necessarily pay money. So like in terms of like nonprofit work and stuff, like I, I would definitely want to do more of that. So I guess like now my uh, thought process has changed to, hey, maybe I don't need to do work all the time, but maybe I'll just do less work than I am doing right now because I do enjoy my job quite a bit. I just don't want to do as much of it as uh, like in the future. That's great. So is it an option for you to scale back? Because uh, 
for, for example, me, when I was working as a graphic designer, it wasn't a possibility to scale back to part-time. It was full-time or nothing really, because you, you take on a project and you kind of have to carry it from beginning to end. So th there wasn't an option to even scale back my hours. So does that mean your job allows that or would, would it mean having to switch to maybe consulting or something like that? Yeah, so my current role doesn't allow that primarily because I guess like I am a full-time employee and I also manage a team, which is not a part-time job. So I think that in that sense, my current role doesn't allow it. I will have to make like significant changes to my career to have to switch to part-time. But I, I imagine at that point, I probably wouldn't mind doing that uh, by the time I get to that level, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And you'd have the FU money. So even if they said not going to work and you would have the means to find something else and take your time to transition over. Absolutely. I think the way I think about it is um, I should never like if I were like success when it comes to FI to me the transition of it should look like uh, not like I'm going to work, 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 work. And then like the day that I hit the number, I'm going to stop working and then not do it ever again. It should be like a transition over like two or three years where I transition into this new role that I want to do for the rest of my life, as opposed to, um, I guess like the, the abrupt, I'm going to stop. And then I'm going to think about what it is that I want. And then I'm going to eventually switch into this other thing, if that makes sense at all. I think a lot of what you say really resonates with me because fire paints this kind of finish line. And I think if we think about it like that, we're ultimately going to be a very unhappy because money doesn't buy happiness, right? It buys freedom. And so you have to then recalculate your fire number to what you're going to do with your time rather than what you're not going to do with your time. Does that make sense to you guys? Am I, am I painting a proper picture there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of part of what I realized about fire too. Like we come into it thinking it's about money, but really what you're talking about is optimization of joy and like, and like meaning out of life to a certain extent. Right. And, and also to a, like part of the journey is realizing that maybe money doesn't buy you that and time buys you that. And for you to like get more time out of your life so that you can invest on the things that you want to spend more time doing, whether it's like your hobbies or whether it's spending time with your family or loved ones, or whether it's like saving, like, I don't know, saving the world, <laughs> like whatever it is that you want to do <laughs> yeah. in the end of the day. <laughs> I can't wait to don my cape and just get out there every night. So when you're not getting free stuff at Dundas Square, what does your grocery bill look like? Because I know in Toronto, the food is pricier. I know people say that, but again, it's all about like making intentional choices around what it is that you want to eat. Just generally, I find that like um, between my partner and I, we, and you're going to gawk at this, it's about like $200 a month about for like our grocery bills. And we do eat at home pretty much most of the time. But we're like, I, I mean, like part of it is also that like we do eat a good amount of like plant based food. So we I would say about we're about like 80 percent vegetarian and that's not much to do with money. It was more like an environmental choice, but it does have a good side effect in that it is not particularly expensive to eat vegetarian meals either. We were, I mentioned how I live right downtown, but I don't shop at the expensive downtown grocery stores. We just walk 10 minutes further away to like the discount grocery stores that are around the corner that also happen to price match. And so most of the time we find that that's approximately how much it costs us to essentially eat at home. Is that 200 each or 200 total? 200 total. 
Wow, that's really good. I know that the urban fresh sobies that are down there are quite pricey. And I there's one, um, I think it's called like the kitchen table or something like that. And I walked by there and like the bananas were like a dollar fifty, you know, like a pound. Like that's that might be like an easy little cherry pick of mine, but when you go out to the suburbs, it's you know, fifty or sixty cents a pound. So you can just imagine what everything else in the store is uh is going Absolutely. up, right? So you yeah. uh, I guess you look for like the no frills, you know, or cause I know there's a few down there and uh is there any other discount store uh, down there besides no frills? Absolutely. So we have like a no frills and we have a fresh go and we have a food basics. They're all pretty, pretty close to us. So it's actually super easy to get to either any of them. I, I personally tend to go to fresh go primarily because they do price matching. And, uh, and so I don't have to go to all three stores to get the same deals. I can just go to one store and get all the three stores deals. So it's actually a lot more efficient to get go to a store that does price matching. I believe like Walmart does it too, but we don't have Walmart downtown, so it doesn't really matter. I'm so impressed. That's extremely low. I, we can't even touch that. You know, our family spends probably around $550 per month for four of us, which I guess if you work it out per person, it's not outrageous, but wow, 200 bucks for two people. That's really, really good. I want to also clarify, like we don't really actually spend exactly 200 per month, right? Like that's another aspect of it too. If you find that like things are on sale one month and then it's not on sale the other month, we bought, we tend to buy a whole lot around like long weekends, for instance, because you know that there's a whole bunch of grocery store deals during that time. And then you would find that we generally don't buy as much during the beginning of the month because there's not as much deals during the beginning of the month because apparently everyone has money at that time and then no one wants to uh, do any like sales by default. And we also buy stuff from Costco. So I feel like, uh, like, we eat like nuts, and we eat cheeses. And we eat like, you know, when we buy chicken breasts, I can't be bothered to buy like the ones with the bones in them, because it's just not worth my time. So it's not like, you know, <laughs> buying just lentils and eating rice the whole time, we do eat like a good amount of like very diet and, and we buy almond milk, because we're, you know, the hipster millennials but really i mean like we're not like trying to like cut corners in any way it just is like you've already decided that you want to buy this thing make sure that you buy it in bulk when it's on sale so that you can like make it last longer so you mentioned you go to costco but how do you do that when you're living downtown with no car how do you transport big huge bulky items back home uh, the key is to have other friends who essentially <laughs> have cars. <laughs> Cheater! I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> so we actually used to have a Costco membership, but then we realized we actually don't have a car, so then we don't like we were not going to like rent a car just to go to Costco. So we ended up like basically we go to Costco like twice a year, and we know exactly what to get because we already have a list. So essentially, that's what we do. We go to Costco twice a year, and then we either go with friends or uh, my partner's family live here. So sometimes we just go with them, and then we just get it. But really, it's just twice a year. You could probably technically just take a cab back and should still be fine. Like I imagine like a cab from the closest Costco would cost me like $20, which is definitely more than what I'm saving by like shopping at Costco. Um, I have a question. So being so centrally located in downtown, I'd imagine that you're quite close to your place of work. So do you actually bother with a TTC pass? 
Yeah, so I used to have a uh, TTC password literally one month before left the year. And then I kind of just decided that it's not worth it because um, I'm not sure if you guys know, but there is like a downtown like path. The concept behind it is like underground pathway that kind of connects pretty much the entire downtown. Mm -hmm. So my walk to work is about 25 minutes. And I would say like a good amount of that is basically just through the path. So even during winter, like I basically just walk to work and it's fine during the summer i just bike to work so either way it really doesn't matter and i also like the predictability of like walking slash biking as opposed to the tdc which is as everyone knows not particularly great all the time so you are seriously selling toronto for me <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I i couldn't move there just because we have so many so much family here there's no way we'd leave but it it sounds very optimized it's amazing so have you seen families in your area? Do you see that families are able to make it work living in the downtown core? Absolutely. I, I live in a building where there is, I would say like maybe like 20, 25% of that is like families with small children. And they absolutely seem to love it because they really, um, I was talking to someone actually here who was just saying, yeah, like my commute to home is really easy. And I was just, it's kind of funny because uh, a lot of times I find that like uh, when you talk to parents who want to like move to the suburbs, the primary reason they give is like, but my children, as if your child asks for an extra room. But really, I mean, most of the time what your kids want is like some time with you and if you can like shorten your commute your kid is going to love that because they're going to get to spend an extra like half an hour or an hour or however long it takes for you to get to and from work all the time and they're going to enjoy that so much more and that's what the person who literally like lives next door to us they have two little kids and the guy's commute is like 20 minutes and he talks about how like basically when I'm walking like walking or biking back like around 5 30 in the evening they're already downstairs playing with their kids in the park area that's right next door and he talks about how like he's like yeah I could go live down like in a suburb but then I would never see my kids till seven o'clock and I'd be too exhausted to do anything so I'd just make dinner and probably go to bed instead I get to play around with my kids which is wonderful so I wish more families thought like that but there is a good number of them that are downtown for sure that sounds amazing I would love that kind of lifestyle that it's pretty cool yeah, not to bring it back to the daily commute again, but it really does detract from the amount of time you get to spend with your family if you're driving an hour each way to work. Absolutely. And I feel like that's kind of part of it where whenever you talk about the daily commute, like that's the one that like no one can argue about because literally no one has ever said, I wish I had a longer commute, you know? No, you basically get to just stroll underground while it's negative 30 outside and it's like blizzarding sideways. And you're just like skipping along in the path, you know, just, oh, do I want a booster juice this morning? Do I want Tim's? Do I want Starbucks? Like I've, that, that to me is like one of the hardest cells that I really want to live in downtown because of that. It's so optimal. The hardest part of my job, like my, like, I guess, commute is essentially like making sure that I don't buy something every day from Eaton Center because that's where I'm walking through. <laughs> I would never be able to fire in downtown. That mango hurricane would get me every morning. <laughs> exactly that's the hardest part like blizzard ugh, you've got nothing on <laughs> like all of the delicious <laughs> food in eaton center <laughs> so archie mentioned you have a partner so are they on board with fire and it, what is their commute like give give us more details on on how that works yeah so um when he came into the relationship he had no idea about fire or personal finance or any of this stuff and when i originally came like came to him and i was like 
I heard about this concept and we can stop working in five years. And he was kind of like, that's nice, sweetie. And gave me like a pat on my head. (laughs) (laughs) Been there before. Exactly. But like, to be fair, though, I mean, if you've met me, you'll know, like, I I have a lot of wacky ideas. And a lot of them are very out there, like, fair enough for him. (laughs) Like, you know, but, but essentially, when he originally heard it, he was like, Okay, that sounds great. But like, honey, we need to go like, you know, pay our bills. And I was like, Yeah, I get it. And then so originally, when I, uh, when I tried to convince him in my great genius, like, engineering way, because he's also an engineer, I decided to take this like amazing spreadsheet that I had made. And I tried to like, convince him with the spreadsheet. I was like, look at these numbers, these numbers, numbers don't lie we can quit and then he was like no that's not happening Um, I know I know but I think I learned a valuable lesson there which is essentially not sell people like the solution but just sell I guess like a an idea and a dream, right? That's what I was missing. I shouldn't have started with like, hey, you know what we should do? We should just quit our jobs and like have panic attacks about what to do with our <laughs> lives. It's not what we should probably be selling. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the exact same thing with my husband. You know, I dove right in with all the how to reach FI, but it, that was overwhelming and, and actually really unpleasant for him. He was just like, no, there's no way I'm going to do all these things because I like my life the way it is and I, I don't need to change things but when I switched over to like you said selling the dream or getting him to focus on the why you know that he would get more time to spend with the family and with his parents and doing the hobbies he loved and you know, just having freedom for himself that was what got him on board finally so I, I think a lot of us go through this we discover fire and we just go crazy and then our partners just have no idea and we blindside them so that's a tip for anyone who's new to the movement you know if you want to get your partner on board sell them on the why and start with that don't go into how you're going to do it because that'll come but if you focus on the why you'll get there I think that's what I would also recommend, like start with the why, start find out what it is that they're looking for that they're missing in their current life. And also, I guess, like prod them a little bit in terms of uh, what it is that they wouldn't even admit to themselves that they want, you know, because sometimes we're just beaten down by life. We're just told that like, this is the thing that you can have and you're going to do this for 40 years. And what else are you going to do otherwise anyway? And so like a little, like you're also fighting against the whole concept of like, what will you do without working? Like, who are you if you aren't like a contributing member of society? society and like so essentially we have to acknowledge the fact that like people are struggling with that and some people find their sense of self-worth and like uh, identity uh, challenged by this idea so it's actually very important for us to start with what are these wonderful other things we're going to get as a result of thinking a little bit differently as opposed to just saying nope we're going to like eat lentils and beans for the rest of our lives and we're going to live on like twenty thousand dollars and we're never going to move out of this house ever again but (laughs) you know that's not going to work out very well All three of us, uh, the hosts, like me, Money Mechanic, and Chrissy, like we all have kind of resident spouses that kind of look at fire from a distance, and we're—I call them checked luggage. Oh, you know, they're basically yeah. Like if we're if we're all gonna sit in first class, we just you know bring our spouses on. Like hopefully they're they're not really like checked luggage; they're more like a carry on, but they're like that cumbersome one that like can't fit in an overhead compartment. And you're like <laughs> you're stuck like kicking them around and stuff. No, I'm just kidding, but. <laughs> But um, I, I think when I sold my wife on fire and selling is pretty much the exact term that I was doing, right? I mean, I had the exact same pushback that you guys did. And I think that it's because when I talked about quitting my job, I never said what 
I was going to quit to. I just kind of said, like, we don't have to do it because, look, we are rich AF. And she basically, I guess, kind of took that as, like, so you're unhappy with working or you're unhappy with your life. Like, you want, like, this major change. And I don't really get it from the outside looking in. And because she's not really willing to listen to the podcast or read the same blogs that I have, it's up to me to be able to explain it in a way that she'll understand. And I think the way I eventually got through to her was that I don't get joy out of lifting boxes off a truck. That's how I make my money. I would rather raise my children with her and I'd rather be there at home and not have to be stuck in my workaholic attitude at work. And I definitely do have that tendency you know, my, my side hustle right now is working overtime and I've had that side hustle forever. I've always worked 50 to 60 hours a week. And I'm afraid that I'm going to amass this giant pot of gold and realize that it doesn't matter because I'm going to hand it to my daughter, but what is she going to do with it? I don't really know because I didn't get to take the time to, to raise her with the values that I wanted because I was never there. And that was the part that always uh, scared me. So that's why I'm taking you know, fire very seriously. And I'm also taking it to, I guess, what other people would call an extreme because I live on less than $18,000 a year. And I don't also, I don't live on beans and lentils like Archie keeps saying, but I'm just very, very intentional about my choices. Ryan, I think that was all very well said. I, everything you mentioned there, it, it echoes what a lot of us in the fire community feel that we have a much bigger why for why we save and why we try to work so hard and cut costs, all those things, it it all drives towards what's truly important to us. And I think that gets lost sometimes in the conversation about frugality and, you know, house hacking and all, all these kinds of things, all the tactics that we use, those are what uh, grab the headlines. But in fact, it's actually the stories behind that that are truly important to all of us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think part of the thing that I also found interesting about the FI community is also this that um, a good number of people that are just introduced to FI in the beginning think that like frugality is the primary, I guess, like way or the reason to somehow end up in uh, FI. But I also find that there is a good number of people that have been in the FI community for a good amount of time, uh, including myself, where I'm just like, I don't have a problem spending money on the things that I really like. So I would be embarrassed to tell you how much I spend on travel, for instance. Meanwhile, I've never paid for toilet paper, right? Like, so like those are my priorities, you know? And I feel like that's fine. Like, so I actually, after, um, I guess, like, I, I started doing the whole, like, uh, thinking about what it is that is of value to me and my life, what adds, I guess, like, more joy into my life, I started spending more on travel, and I, like, unapologetically spend money on travel. Meanwhile, I cut ruthlessly on the things that I don't really care about. And I guess, like, that's another aspect of it, too. It might end up being that you spend about the same amount of money because you're basically just reallocating your resources to be a bit more efficient, or you might even spend a little bit more money and you'd just be so much more happier as a result of it. So it doesn't necessarily mean that just because you've got like, you're on the path to FI, you have to reduce your spending and that's the only way to get there. And I think it's worthwhile like iterating that because not everyone has the exact same path towards FI either. Yeah, everything you said, it just resonates with me. And I think it resonates with a lot of people in our community. And 
that's why we we have this podcast. You know, part of the what we're trying to do here is spread the message of what Phi means to different people. And it's not just the same old shtick of extreme frugality and, you know, retire early to do nothing, which actually was never true, but this is what mainstream media talks about. And so we hope that by having these conversations with other Canadians that we can broaden what the definition of Phi or fire is, because it, it means a lot of different things and it's not this very narrow definition that's been put out there. So let's take the conversation back to uh, downtown Toronto then. Archie, is it your goal to hit fire in Toronto and stay put in the same condo? We are not sure at this moment. We're kind of just having conversations around it. So up until recently, we're actually pretty like, I'd say we have another couple of years left to go in terms of like fire. So like we're definitely having like serious conversations with my partner in terms of like what it is that we want to do. We would love to stay in Toronto, but at the same time, we don't want the winter. So (laughs) we're trying to figure out if it is if it's kind of a thing where we kind of just do six months here and six months somewhere else, or if we want to do like a year here and a year somewhere else. Regardless, I think we're going to just, I'm a big fan of like tiny experiments. So I think what we're probably going to do if we get to that point is just essentially take like a year to try uh, one format and then take another year to try a different format and then decide which one we like more and then move forward from there. So the way I know you, Archie, is through the Choose FI Canada Facebook group. You are one of the admins, as am I, as well as uh, a few other people. And you seem to be quite involved with the community in real life, not just online. Can you tell us more about uh, how you're involved and what you like about being involved in that way? I think one of the things that I really well, I guess I was off of Facebook for like a couple of years. And then I basically, uh, when I found out about how uh, Brian and Jonathan were starting these local groups, uh, I, I like jumped at the opportunity because I'm sure you relate to this, where it's like a lot of people in fire, essentially, it's like a, your dirty little secret that you can't tell anyone about. And yep. unless like it's somebody, it's kind of like being part of like this weird cult <laughs> and no one really understands it. And there's a lot of misunderstanding around it. And there's a lot of defensiveness around it when people that aren't aware of it want to talk about it so it's actually almost liberating to meet other fire people where you don't have to explain yourself so much where like people think it's awesome when you tell them that like you haven't paid for toilet paper instead of like thinking that you're some freak of nature (laughs) (laughs) so it's actually liberating and and when I heard about the concept of local meetups that was fantastic to me because I would have one of the things that I realized also is that hey like if we quit our jobs our friends are still gonna want to hang out on evenings and weekends what do we do during the mornings we need to make new friends and are they all going to be over 65 because this is going to be a problem so and that was kind of part of the thing too where in a very selfish way I was like I need to meet new people that like you know want to hang out anytime they want and I need to meet new people that like essentially have similar values to me in terms of like how they view money and how they view life and optimization as a whole so I jumped at the opportunity I created like this uh, terrible Facebook uh, profile I messaged uh, Jonathan and I was like hey so I heard you're like creating this new local thing how's that going and then he was like yeah I created a group for Canada. I was like, dude, like, do you know how big Canada is? <laughs> very local. <laughs> how about we do like a Toronto one? And then he was like, no, 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 no. There's not that many people. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So I was part of like the uh, the Canada admin community. And like three days later, Jonathan messages me and he's like, you're right. I'm getting a lot of uh, requests from like people <laughs> to be in Toronto. So do you want to create a Toronto group? And I was like, all right, let's do this. So as soon as the uh, group was created, like, 
I, I think like a couple months in, uh, as, as soon as there was like enough uh, interest, I started creating like these meetups that happened a good amount of like, I guess like once about once a month, I try and do it about once a month. I'm not very active on Facebook itself. I try and like approve people and then respond every so often. But really what I am in it for primarily is because of the meetups where I want to meet people in person. I want to get to know them, their hopes and aspirations. And I want to be like part of a community more than anything else. I love that. I feel the same way about being part of the community that you don't feel like a weirdo around people like this. And my husband is always so confused. He's like, you keep saying you're an introvert and you don't like big gatherings. And yet you go to these meetups and you have the time of your life. Like he just doesn't understand. And I said, you know, it's almost like a support group where you go and you just know you're accepted just the way you are. And these people <laughs> get you, right? They, they already know a lot about you just because you're part of this group and so there's that comfort level that's immediately there so i agree with you these meetups are fantastic i just thought of a great name by the way for your next meetup you can call it fat wallets anonymous <laughs> yeah right okay <laughs> me? uh all right fine we'll do it <laughs> whatever I mean, we'll do it. We'll do it. Thinking about you're right, Ryan. It does make sense. You, you do feel like you need this group where you can share these things that you can't share with the rest of the world. Um, my theory around the whole introverts thing is I don't think introverts actually hate conversations or meeting new people. I think they just don't like small talk. Because I don't think I get exhausted when I have small talk. I just get exhausted when people, I mean, I don't, I, I get exhausted when I'm, when I have small talk, but it's like, if it's like real life conversations, I, I love it. And that's kind of part of why I like fire where I would have met you like five minutes ago. And then we we're having like meaningful, deep conversations, you know? I, so that's exactly it. And I think, cause my husband is quite the extrovert. I, I don't think he understands that difference where, you know, small talk is so painful when there's no point to it, where it's just niceties. But if, you are talking and there's a purpose and there's a deeper conversation. It's just so engaging and you just, you could talk forever in, in cases like that. Mm -hmm. So what do we think of the weather today? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see myself out. So Archie, beyond Choose FI, I, you mentioned that you also go to the Camp Mustache Toronto. Uh, tell us about that. I've, I've never been to a Camp Mustache, but they sound like lots of fun. Oh, yeah. So basically, I'll, I'll, like the timeline was that I found out about FI like maybe two years ago, and then I broached the subject with my partner like two, like pretty much like a couple of months later, and then eventually like beat him into it like I was like we're gonna do this <laughs> in a weird way and then I realized that was a bad way to go so I like kind of backed off a little bit and then one of his primary concerns was the thing that I mentioned where he was like what like but what if like we're like you know we quit our jobs and then we're just by ourselves and we have no one to relate to so one of his like primary concerns was we don't have a community and so the so what I basically did was like look up what kind of meetups there are about like I guess like around fire related stuff and back then we didn't have these Kuzafi groups. So the only options was the Camp Mustache, which like, I guess there's a Camp Mustache that happens in Toronto. And then there's a bunch of them that happen in, in US. And then there's Chautauqua. And I'm not sure if you guys have ever looked up how much Chautauqua costs, but it's pretty yes. steep price. It's crazy. Um, yeah. What is it? What yeah. is it? I've never looked it up. Um, Are you serious, I, Ryan? <laughs> it's, I've uh, heard a ton about it, but I've yeah. never, I've never actually like 
Googled the price. Today. How could you call yourself a fire person if you haven't Googled Chautauqua? I don't <laughs> even understand. Yeah, it's what is it around 3,000 US per person? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh my I, it sounds amazing and it's worth every penny if you can afford it, but it's a lot. It, and if you multiply that by two, that's a ton of money. I'm not even willing to pay the 200 and something dollars to go camp, let alone right. $3,000 or whatever. Ugh. You're not going to like what I'm going to say next, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So basically my thing was to essentially get my partner into one of these like uh, camp massage situations to see if he would like it. So I took him to camp massage last year, but also I had like uh, signed up for Chautauqua in Greece, <laughs> like mm. two months after camp massage. <laughs> so I know it's a ridiculous amount of money. And when I saw it, I was like mortified by it. But at the same time, I also spoke with other people that like had been to it. And pretty much like I literally had not met anyone that was like, oh, it was all right. Like, you know, like everyone was like, it's amazing. It's life changing. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Blah, 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 blah. It was like basically always like, it is fantastic. So I was like, you know what? I'll try it, whatever. Like we'll try it once. Uh, and I also felt the need for, I guess like for my partner to hear about these ideas from people that was other than me. Cause I feel like there's a certain thing in relationships where like you meet this person who's this wonderful, smart people. And then like you marry them and then you're like, ah, this is this person. So I'm gonna ignore that. And then somehow like someone else tells you something and then you're like, oh, that is the best idea I've ever heard until now. So you actually become like a lot more open to hearing this idea from another person because mm -hmm. first you, you like, you know, so for whatever reason, you just can't hear your own partner take it objectively somehow. I think that one already happened, right? So did you go already to that? Yeah, Chicago? yeah. Okay. Yeah, so how so did it I, go? It was, it was fantastic. So I guess I'll, I'll answer your first question or thing, which is the camp mustache one first, or do you want me to just go into chakra? Go ahead, do the camp mustache first. Okay, cool. So the camp mustache is fairly straightforward. It's like, it happens at a camp that is like an hour-ish north of Toronto. And it's a bunch of people that are like, I guess like specifically mustachians, not just like fires, like as like community folk, but like specifically the subgenre of mustachians. I went there being a little bit scared because I don't know if you've been to like the uh, forums, <laughs> but they're like rather... Uh, um, what what's the word what Hardcore. is a good word <laughs> did you ride your bike there i know i was i was worried about being shamed in some way <laughs> you know yeah. so i was just like terrified of the concept of it but when i went there like they were like the nicest like most warm people that you can meet and they were so open and they were so welcoming and everything was just like fantastic and my partner had more fun than me, like in this thing where he just like stays up later than me, like wakes up early enough to go have breakfast with all these other people, like leaves me in bed, mind you. <laughs> and goes up and has breakfast with these people. So he's like having the time of his life for like the weekend. And then he comes back and he's like, I am super excited for Chautauqua. And I was like, oh my God, this really happened. So wow. yeah. So yeah, it was like fantastic. And I'm actually going back this year as well um, because I guess it's super popular. So now you have to actually apply for it and then they'll have a lottery system and you get in or you don't because it's there's nothing that happens in the New York area either. So a lot of people from the US actually drive down to Toronto and there is like no other campus that happens in all of Canada. So a lot of Canadians also go to this one. Money so Mechanic is actually going to be going just for our listeners. Him and the accountant from the FI Garage are actually going to be flying in for Camp Mustache this year, 2019. Oh, fantastic. So I'll, I guess I'll just say hi to them this time around. 
Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, Camp Mustache. I highly recommend it. Camp Mustache community in Toronto is uh, fairly active. They have a bunch of meetups every so often. They're they're super frugalistas, though. They totally just like hang out in like food courts and uh, make homemade cookies, and they're <laughs> delicious. And and they just like have a ball. It's wonderful. Sounds right up my alley. That's awesome. So tell us about Chautauqua then. Was it as life-changing as everyone says it would be? It's kind of weird because you you go in with like all these expectations and in your in the back of your head, you're like, there's no way that like this thing is going to meet my expectations because it's so hyped up in my head and everyone's just saying all of these things. And then you go there and then you you realize that like it meets your expectations, it exceeds your expectations. And you're just like, oh, my God, what the hell is this thing? And why didn't I do this sooner? Zero regrets on spending whatever amount of money that I spent on it. And I definitely would say that I've, I've like met some of the people as a, I guess, like during the Chautauqua time. And then I, I still keep in touch with a good number of them. I still get on Skype calls with some of them. We're actually planning to do a reunion soon. So like, it's a, these are people that like, imagine your average, like choose a five meetup, except like these people, you get to hang out with them for an entire week in like beautiful places. And then you have all these like deep, meaningful conversations about life and purpose and what it means and how to get all of these things. Uh, I wish more people did this, honestly. And I and I wish more people did this sooner than like when they're like almost at FI. I wish people do it sooner so that they can have a more holistic view of FI as opposed to just being like, oh yeah, let's just save money and then figure out what to do after. I cannot recommend it enough. I'm jealous. <laughs> I would love to go. It sounds really cool. It sounds like you're very entrenched in the FI community and it's wonderful that all of us have these options to meet up with others because it, it really makes a difference in your FI journey when you don't feel like you're alone. Absolutely and I have to say I most definitely do it I, like if I had to choose between like owning a car or going to Chautauqua uh, I would pick Chautauqua so <laughs> think For about sure. your choices. <laughs> For sure so maybe it's time to wrap up and move into our final questions. What do you think Ryan? Yeah, I think it's a good idea to hit up the signature questions. How much money do you think you'll spend on Chautauqua for the remainder of your life? <laughs> I'm so hung up on the $6,000 that you've spent. Right? Because it's 3000 a person, right? It wasn't for two people. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I think like, when we went, it was it was more than that, you guys. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a yeah. very amount of money to spend, but it was worth every penny. <laughs> Yeah, it seems it seems like I I would definitely lean towards something like Camp Mustache and all that. And I mean, I identify with pretty much every principle of mustachianism. So mm -hmm. besides the whole get your own brewery kind of thing, I I won't never do that. But three thousand prices, it's just so hard for me to to justify that type of expense. It just seems so inefficient. Like you no, said, right? Like you 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 justify it by by basically saying like, well, my expenses are so low, and this is the whole point of saving the money is to do the things that I want to do with it. So. I guess I, I think should. part of it is also just to like, I mean, like Chautauqua is like a once in a lifetime thing, you know, like Cat Mustache is like, I do it every year because I'm just going to go hang out with a bunch of friends that I know already versus like Chautauqua is like this like unique mix of people that happens once in a lifetime. And that's that. So, okay, let's go into the final questions. Uh, Ryan, do you want to start with yours? I think mine makes a good anchor. I want to start with yours. Okay. So mine is because Ryan and I argue about this. <laughs> Are you team fi or team fire? Ooh, I am, oh, I use team fi pretty much to everybody because the RE part of it uh, gives quite the reaction. 
Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I am also team fire because I want to redefine retirement to make it like be whatever I want it to be. So I don't know. I haven't made up my mind about it. Would that would that be like a cheaty answer? No, I think that's a very honest answer. And it completely makes sense. Everything you've said. I think it says a lot about us as well, Chrissy. You know, you're on team five because you want to please everybody. And I'm on team fire <laughs> because I try to make everybody mad when I talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to end with my question. And it is, of course, unique to Canada, because I want to know what is your order at Tim Hortons? What is my order at Tim Hortons? Hmm, I actually don't drink coffee. But I love sugar. So (laughs) you're in the right place. (laughs) I love all their baked goods. But if I were to go for a classic, it would be like the chocolate dip donuts. All right. Nice. Yummy. Well, I think I think that sums up our interview then. Well, thank you for coming on, Archie. We had a great time with you, and uh, we look forward to continuing to converse uh, through the Choose FI Canada Facebook group. Uh, is there any way people can reach you if they want to? Is it just through the group itself? Yeah, try reaching out to me on Facebook, but realistically, I'm going to be responding really, like I'm really bad at social media. So like, yeah, take that with a grain of salt and figure out. <laughs> like, I can confirm this. Ask, like, tack away. <laughs> Just tag me in any of the posts and I'm happy to respond to them. Perfect. Thanks so much for recording this as well, because I don't know if the listeners will know. I don't know if I'll include this, but uh, Archie had to record our episode. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> some technical difficulties (laughs) yeah for sure awesome well thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing uh, your thoughts about downtown toronto and uh, the philosophy of fire thanks for listening you can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca do you like what you're hearing help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory you can also find us at our own blogs figarage.ca canadianfire.ca or eatsleepbreathefi.com Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.